Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. I am Brian Wilmarth. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're new, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for uh, choosing today to be with us. And hopefully you didn't choose last week to try to be with us. If you didn't know, we had a water issue and all of this area was wet. We've got a kind of a plumbing system back here and had some issues from the cold. So Unfortunately, we didn't have service last week, so this area was, was a mess, but thankfully, we've been able to get it all cleaned up. Uh, we had a company come in. They helped us out, and so thankfully, hopefully, the room looks pretty good. You don't detect any issues and all that, so thanks for bearing with us and all that. Um, you know, we, we were going to start this series last week, and now God kind of pushed it to this week, and you know, like, hey, maybe that's all right. He's going to do something good with it, so we're excited, um, but what I wanted to share with you before we dive into the message today, um, being where we are right now, we've got a lot of ministries that have been starting up. And so uh, we've got our life groups that have been kicked off, and we've got uh, Marksman that's meeting on Wednesday mornings, and our women's Bible study is meeting on Thursday mornings. And then we've got a, a class that meets right before service in, in the multi-purpose room. We've got lots of things that have started up. And so I just wanted to share that, like, God, he's working. He's collecting people and bringing us together, and we're, we're sharing relationships, and we're growing together. We have 180 people who have gotten into our life groups. Like, that is incredible for us to see. We're so excited that we can come together and grow with one another. So what I want to do is I want to pray for these ministries, but I also want to pray for our kids' life, but particularly our student life. So right now, our students, our high school and middle school students, are at ice camp. And they're probably going to get into a van shortly and drive back home for the afternoon, but... They're at ice camp right now. So we want to just pray that the Lord, the Lord worked this weekend. And it's not one of those things that they go onto the mountaintop and it's so exciting, they come back down and nothing's changed. So we want to pray that what God is doing is going to be lasting um, as they return home. So we want to pray for these ministries. We want to pray for ice camp before we dive in. So can we join together in a word of prayer? Lord, thank you for your presence among us. You're, you're here right now in this room. You, you paved the way for us to be here, Lord. You are waiting for us to join you. And so thank you for meeting with us this morning, God. But thank you that this is not the only space, the only time, the only uh, moment where we get to be with you and with one another. God, we have so many different groups and ministries that are meeting throughout the week and growing together. Lord, you meet us in those moments too. And Lord, even those kind of environments maybe even just help us grow more than, than something I might say on a Sunday morning. God, I pray you would be working and moving in all of our ministries, whether it's our life groups, whether it's our women's Bible study, whether it's marksmen, whether it's our adult ed class, whether it's another gathering of any kind that's meeting, like CR or something like that, God, I pray in every one of these environments, you would move and you would work and you would teach us to be like you. And God, we pray that over our kids' life, for the kids as they gather right now together to learn about who you are, that you love them, that you have saved them when they trust you. God, I also pray for our student life. 
God, we're grateful that they could get away this weekend to kind of break the routine, get out of the normal pattern, and to go be with you and with one another at a place where they can just really immerse with you. God, I pray that you have moved this weekend. That whatever students uh, might have had questions or wrestlings, that they were able to just voice that and share that with one another. And Lord, that you would meet them in that. You'd help walk them through wherever there might be challenge. And God, I pray that you are spurring them on closer to you. Whether for the first time they might put their faith in you. Or whether this is the thousandth time they've done that. But we pray, God, that as they come home, they aren't leaving behind all that has happened, but they bring it with them. They don't let this just be a fun, mountaintop kind of experience, but rather they come back different because of it. So, Lord, we pray that. We pray that their travels would be safe, they'd get home safely, but they would be different. And so walk with them, Lord. And we pray the same for us, Lord, right now as we open up the scriptures. Lord, would we be different because we've encountered you, we've learned from you. So open our eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Lord, we meet with you right now. Thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So uh, I've shared this before, um, but if you're new or maybe you weren't here the first time that I did, so um, I, I'm one of three children, and uh, my parents, they, they had two boys and a daughter, and, and their daughter, Kaylee, was a lot younger than me. We're 11 years apart, but uh, about 12 or 13 years ago, she passed away from cancer. She was 14 years old, and obviously, that's a really hard season for my family, um, but one of the things that I shared was how God worked in a very particular way for me in that season. So she got sick, or, or we, we actually diagnosed her, had her diagnosed in September of that year, and she was not in a great place. Like, I actually look back and realize that God kind of saved her from dying in that time. It got really bad very fast. She was in the hospital for about six weeks, and at the time, my wife and I, we were in seminary. And so we were living out in Boston, that's where we went to seminary, and so we came home for, for a stretch, and, and, but she was able to bounce back and kind of come through that, that window of time. And that semester, I was in my preaching class. And so I was assigned a text, John chapter 11, which is the raising of Lazarus. So I was studying this text, beginning to, you know, working on preparation to preach it for my class and all that kind of stuff. And, and at that point, Kaylee was doing better. She, she had come through a really hard season. And I was able to kind of reflect look back and see like, man, this is how God had been working. And, and studying that text, the raising of Lazarus, I still remember that preparation. I still remember like the key idea, we can face death with the hope of the resurrection. Because I felt like I'd just done that. I mean, she, she was on the brink of death, but God had brought her back. And, and I could share that reflection, like God does that. He is the resurrection of life. He can, he can give us hope when we're facing that. Little did I know how important that Bible passage was going to be for me. Because while she was doing better, eventually she would start to do worse. And she would tumble down and continue to, to, to digress. And, and eventually she did pass away. And she passed away in that May. And all through that spring, I kept coming back to John 11. To that message that I preached, apparently to myself. 
God used the scripture to give me hope, to remind me that though, even though my sister passes away, death does not have the final say. And he showed me through the scriptures. We're beginning a new series where we're going to dive a little bit deeper into our vision. And, and our vision is all about pursuing Jesus. And so we're calling this series Pursuing Jesus. But here's a refresher of, of what our vision statement is as a church. This is what we're all about. We're about equipping you to pursue and proclaim Jesus in grace and truth. That's what we're all about. We want to equip you to pursue Jesus, to proclaim him, and to do so in grace and truth. What we want to do is we want to dive a little bit deeper into one component of this vision, the pursue Jesus part. That's what we want this series to be about. And so if you were here for our our rollout of this vision, we talked about this in one message. What does it look like to pursue Jesus? We named four practices that help cultivate that kind of pursuit to go after Jesus. They were Bible reading, prayer, worship, and community. And so what we want to do in this series is we want to look at those four practices so that we as a church can all go together pursuing Jesus. So today, we're going to talk about Bible reading. We're going to look at what does it look like for us to look at the scriptures. Now, come back to my story The scriptures, they have power. There is life. The message of the gospel, like we, when we read this, is not just a book that we're gaining information from. And so what we want to do is we want to open that up. We want to explore what does it look like for us to, as a church, commit to Bible reading and what's happening when we do it. Because like here, I'm wondering if you're like, okay, you know, maybe if you've been to church for a long time or you're kind of, it's like, okay, I've heard this before, Bible reading. Yeah, I know I need to read my Bible. I, I, I kind of, I've got this one, right? Like maybe you've, you've heard this before. Or, or maybe you haven't, but you hear Bible and you're like, Because like the Bible, like you read through parts of it. If you've done the whole like read the Bible in a year plan, you you get like a month in and it's like, okay, this is Leviticus. Like, I can't get through this. Like, it's kind of boring or, or, or at times it's like, it's confusing. You're like, I don't, I don't understand what I'm reading here. Like, I, I don't get why, why should I do this? Or, or maybe even for you, some of you in the room, you might be feeling like I've read the Bible and there's some stuff in there that I've got serious concerns about. Like, how have you interacted with the Bible so far? I'm just curious if today we're going to answer the why question, hopefully in a meaningful way. Why should we read the Bible? Because I think there's something good that God wants to do in it. And so hopefully I'll speak to some of those questions or those concerns, those things that just kind of get in the way of like, oh, why do I read the Bible? Hopefully you're going to see, here's why. So to do that, what I want to do is I want to turn in the Bible, of course, to Matthew chapter 4. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to see Jesus interacting about the scriptures, And so hopefully we're going to learn from Jesus, his perspective of the scriptures, like what's going on here and why he thinks it's valuable. So Matthew chapter 4, 
be looking at verses 1 through 11. We're going to kind of take it in chunks. We're going to walk through it a little more slowly. But this is the temptation Jesus experienced. So maybe you're familiar with that story. Maybe you're not. But we're going to look and see what can we learn about reading the scriptures from this text. All right. So beginning in the first couple of verses of chapter 4 in Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Understatement, right? (laughs) So pause there. Like, here, Jesus, he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, what I want to give you is just a little bit of context. Remember where this is in the story. What's just happened is that Jesus has been baptized, Like, he's kind of shown up on the scene. He's kind of made himself known. And John, John the Baptist, baptized Jesus, initiating his ministry. It's like, okay, now Jesus is going to get started. And what's the very first thing he does? Goes away from all the people on his own, and he's tempted in the wilderness. Now, when you see what's happening here, notice that number 40. If you've read the Bible a lot, you've, you've heard that number quite a bit, right? What I think we're supposed to take away when we hear the number 40 is it represents a time of testing. Over and over again, you see, when you see the number 40, it's a time where God is calling the people to something. He's testing them. That's what's happening here. But notice, Jesus is fasting. He's been led by himself by the Spirit. And he now is vulnerable. It's not that he's got a full bell and he feels at his best and he's like, all right, I'm ready to take on the world. He is like, I'm hungry. I'm by myself. I'm in weakness. Jesus right now is vulnerable. And that is meant to push him to dependence on the Father. He has nowhere else to turn but to the Father. And so I want you to feel that. I want you to hear that. Like Jesus is, is, is now at a place where he is vulnerable. He's in his full humanity, hungry. And he can only depend on his father. So how does he do that? Let's now look at each of these sections here. So verse three, the first temptation. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, are you really who you say you are? If you're the son of God, Then, tell these stones to turn into bread. And what's happening here is like, you're hungry, right? You're the son of God. You can do anything. Turn these stones into bread. How does Jesus respond? Verse 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, right here, like, Satan's coming in. It's like, hey, you're hungry, You need to eat. You need to live. How do you do that? Eat some bread. But what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture. And he's quoting about scripture. Did you notice that? It's like, no, no, no. People, they don't live just on bread. But we live on what God says. He's right here telling him. It's like what God says. That is the source of true life. That is what I need. That is what I'm going to turn to. So here, even now, Jesus is commenting on Scripture, and it has life. So what I want you to see in this first moment, this first temptation, Jesus knows the Scriptures. 
Remember, he, he didn't have a Bible with him, right? These didn't exist for several hundred years. What he did is he knew the scriptures. See, back then, Jewish men, they, they would go to school and they would learn the scriptures and, and they would learn it so much that they'd be memorizing it. And they'd spend years doing this. They'd learn the, the Hebrew Bible. They'd learn what God is all about and they would spend time memorizing, committing it to themselves. So Jesus is here. He's by himself. He doesn't have a Bible where he's like, well, let me go find something to, to tell you. He's quoting it from memory. And he's quoting from Deuteronomy. And he's quoting from a time when the Israelites were being reminded of their testing. You don't live on bread. They were hungry. They needed manna. They're like, but God's saying, you live on what I tell you. Follow me. And I'm going to lead you to life. That is what Jesus knows. So what I want you to take away first is that Jesus knew the scriptures. He, he didn't just kind of know, like he knew that he was able to quote it. And right then he was able to quote Deuteronomy. So Jesus knows the scriptures. All right, moving forward. What happens next? Verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So what we see here now is vitally important. Not only does Jesus know the scriptures, he knows how to use the scriptures properly. Because I want to highlight something to you. What did Satan just do? He took him to the temple. And he said, throw yourself off. And he quotes scripture, right? Satan knows scripture. He just quoted Psalm 91. So what we see here is that we can know the scriptures but we can still miss something. Because what we see happening here, Satan, he's misusing scripture. What he does is he quotes him, here's Psalm 91. And, and Jesus is like, no, that's not the right application. This is not the right time to quote that verse. Here's the verse to quote. Don't put your God to the test. See, what we see here is that Satan, he knows, he knows the Bible. He probably knows it better than we do. But that doesn't mean he knows how to use it. And that's what we see with, with Jesus here. Not only does he know it, but he knows how to use it properly. So it's not enough for us just to memorize things. It's not enough for us just to read it. It's like, oh, I know it. There's more that needs to happen. The Pharisees, I think, are a great example of this. They knew the Old Testament like the back of their hand. And they crucified Jesus. You can know the scriptures and still miss the point. So it's not enough for us just to know about it, just to be able to memorize it. There's more that's going on. And Jesus, he knows how to use the scripture properly. So that surfaces the question, how did Jesus know how to use it, right? You're probably wondering, it's like, okay, how do I be like that? How do I, how do I follow Jesus' pattern and not Satan's? Like, if I can know the scriptures but miss it, 
What, what's the credit? How did Jesus know how to use it? I think we get a glimpse of it in the third temptation. So let's keep reading. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So what we see here now is Satan just kind of thrown everything back. He's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you all of this. Worship me. Do it my way. You get all of this, the kingdoms. You get, I mean, it's that, that temptation for like splendor, majesty, fame, reputation, power. Satan is putting all of that before Christ. He's tempting him to like, let's, let's just go to the end game here. What's the gambit that Satan is going after? Worship me. And when he says that, worship, it's like giving weight to, giving significance and following. Like I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. Like follow me, do what I want you to do. That's what he's telling him. Follow me, do it my way. And I'm gonna give you all these kingdoms. But notice He didn't challenge his identity this time. Why? Because Jesus, as the son of God, all the kingdoms already belong to him. They are already his. He is the king of kings. He's going to rule over the world. And Satan's coming and said, I want you to do it a different way. But Jesus is like, no. Your way is not the way. There's another way I have to do this. I have to go the way of sacrifice. It's not a power grab. It's not taking, but it's releasing. It's dying. It's letting go. And it is here that Jesus is able to discern the way. The way of Satan is not the way he wants to go. He wants to go the way of the Father. And how does he know that? Here's the idea I want you to get to. Jesus allows the scripture to guide him to the heart of the Father. In the scriptures, Jesus is not just reading about God. He realizes that he is meeting with God, meeting the Father. They are spending time together. When they are connected with the scriptures, Jesus is learning the Father's heart. The scriptures are not just information, but it is the very source of life where we can connect to the Lord. And that's what Jesus did. He learned the heart of the Father. And it's the Father's heart that he's going after. He's not just trying to like, okay, what's the right thing and the wrong thing and and kind of a rules list? Like, no, Jesus, he's coming face to face with the Father. He's learning his heart. He's taking that in. Every time he reads scripture, he is being shaped more and more into the Father's heart. There's one verse that that Luke actually shares with us that gets at this a little bit. Um, And we'll we'll actually, we'll get to that in just a second. So what I want you to see, though, is that um, Jesus, he's growing in this ability to know the Father's heart. 
He's realizing like this, this is how I grow to become like my father. When I read it, it's not just information. It's relationship. And so in in John chapter 5, we we get Jesus making a comment on this. And and it's it's here that we see like how this dynamic works. So John chapter 5, verse 19, we get these words. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can, do the only, he can do only what he sees the father doing. Because the, whatever the father does, the son also does. And then verse 20. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will even do greater works than these so that you will be amazed. See, Jesus isn't doing this on his own. He's not like, I'm, I'm figuring things out. He is coming to the scriptures learning the Father's heart, and is experiencing his relationship with the Father. So the scripture is not just a book we read. It's a platform for us to relate to our God. And that is what Jesus has learned. So when we read the scriptures, we're coming to encounter the Lord. And that is what Jesus allowed. So he allowed the scriptures to guide him to the heart of the Father. And this is the key idea I think I want us to push, push into more. We don't simply read a book, know some stories, learn some rules, and know some facts. We are encountering the Lord when we read. It's almost like we should picture him sitting right next to us as we dive into these stories. He's with us in it. That is what Jesus learned. And that is how he knew how to use it. When he reads the scriptures, he's not just looking for the rules. He's looking for the heart of the Father. And that's what can happen when we read the scriptures. So what I want to do is, in bringing all of this together, I want to connect it to a concept. Because when we talk about the heart of the Father, we're talking about character, right? What Jesus is experiencing here is character formation. He's growing in his character to be like the Father. And so what's happening here is when he's connecting at the heart level, he is growing in that character, or what I want to call it is wisdom. What is happening here is that as Jesus grows towards the heart of the Father, he is growing in wisdom. And so that's what I want us to see. When we read the scriptures, we can become wise. We can become wise when we're saturating in the scripture. Now, maybe again, to kind of clarify this, this wisdom piece. Wisdom is essentially like knowing what you should do when there's not a rule. Right? It's like I have to make a decision and I'm looking in the Bible. It's like, oh, there's, there's nothing telling me how to do this. Wisdom is the ability to discern. Here's how I should go. Wisdom comes from character. It comes from your heart. Wisdom isn't something, it's like I can check a box. Like this is something that we grow in as we grow in character. So when I'm saying that word wisdom, it's the ability to apply God's heart in our lives. As an example, the Bible never talks about cell phones, right? Cell phones didn't exist, right? So how do we know how should we use them? The Bible never gives us a law, like I can't go to Leviticus and find out, well, here's how much screen time I should have, right? That doesn't exist. 
So how do we know? What's, what's good practice when it comes to my cell phone? Now, some of you are like, oh, should I be thinking about that? Yes. <laughs> but how do, we, how do we do that? We have to grow in wisdom. We read the scriptures. We discern it. What is the Father's heart? And allow his heart to become ours. And from that place, we now begin to make decisions. Here is what's healthy for use of my cell phone. Or, or maybe another example. It's like, God, I have a job opportunity. Should I take it? Bible's not going to tell you that. Should I marry this person? Which college should I go to? The Bible doesn't tell us the answers to those questions. How do we make the decision? We make it out of wisdom, out of our heart. And so the call, the challenge, is to know the scriptures, not just to know about them, but to know what they're trying to do, which is push us to the heart of God. And when that happens, we'll discern, well, here's what college I should probably go to. I should take this job. This is the kind of person I should marry. This is how I use my cell phone. We're going to be able to discern the right course of action when we don't have a rule. That is the work that the scriptures do. So, when we saturate in the scriptures, we can become wise. And I believe this is what was happening with Jesus in his humanity. Now, to be clear, he's fully divine, and there's, there's a lot of things that can come with that. But when Jesus became human, he set aside those divine prerogatives, those advantages. He's still fully God, but he's operating as a full human. And there's one place where we can see this related to wisdom. It's in Luke chapter 2. It's after the birth narratives. Jesus has kind of grown up a little bit. And we see in chapter 2, he's a teenager. So Mary and Joseph, they took him to the temple. And then they're headed back home. And they realize he's not there with them. Every parent's worst nightmare. Where's my, where's my son, right? Turns out he was back at the temple. And he was talking with the teachers. Dialoguing with them. Learning with them. And then we kind of get this final statement in verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He grew in wisdom. See, Jesus is learning as he's going. He's becoming more and more wise. Why? Because he's learning the heart of the Father. And it's changing his character to live the wise kind of life. You see, that's what's happening here. And, and Paul, he really brings this together. This is the work that scripture can do. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we get Paul's reflection on what is scripture and what is it doing. And so in chapter 3, verse 15, we read these words. From infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you what? Wise. Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. He sends his spirit into it, and it is empowered and inspired by him. All scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the scriptures, they don't just like exist as words on a page. God is using them to do a work in us. And what he's doing is forming our hearts to be like his 
so that we can live out of wisdom. Is this making sense? The work that the scriptures do is it grows us. It helps us to be more like the Father. He's giving us his heart when we search for him in the scriptures. And that, that is the gift that he wants to give us. So, what I want you to hear, kind of bottom line for today is this. Be shaped into wisdom by reading the Bible. That's why we read. We're growing to become like Jesus. We're growing in wisdom to know from the core of who we are how to walk out this life with him. We don't need to learn rules because we're going to live it. That's what he wants for us. So this is the benefit for us is when we hit moments like I did. I was in deep grief, a challenging season for our family. And God used the scriptures to give me hope. He reminded me, here's the truth. Death doesn't have the final say. My sister, she professed faith in Christ. She made that commitment, and we saw evidence of that. She is with Jesus. I can have hope that I'm going to see her again. That's the truth. It comes from the scriptures. It can help you discern what is the right course of action. I'm faced at a fork in the road. I've got two paths my life could take. Which one should I choose? Wisdom helps you in that moment. When you're in a hard situation, maybe there's conflict, and you're like, I'm not sure what the right answer is here. I'm not sure what's best. Growing and wisdom helps us. Now, we're not going to do it perfectly every time. But the beauty is if we're shooting for the heart of the Father, we're going to be going the direction he wants us to go, and that is his grace. And so... We can have this meaningful kind of thing. Let me, let me give you one other story for me as it relates to this. So when I was in high school, um, uh, I became a Christian when I was in early junior high and got connected with a group of people. And, and some friends were going to a conference called CIY. Maybe you've heard of that. You've been a part of that before. Anyway, I went on this conference with these friends, and, and they were talking about the kingdom. And there was one night that uh, the, one of the main speakers shared a particular verse, Philippians 1.21. For to me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the verse. And, and maybe you've heard that one before. It's kind of a little of a bumper sticker verse or whatever. And I'd read it, but it didn't really stick with me until that night. See, that, that pastor came up and he shared, let me tell you what this means. To live is Christ. What that means is like you are the hands and feet of Jesus. When you are fully sold out for him, you're going to be living the kind of life he wants you to live. You're going to love people. You're going to, you're going to minister. You're going to share the gospel. You're going to be a benefit to those around you. To live is to be like Christ for other people. And that's going to be hard sometimes. And there are some people in history who've been martyred. They've died. But to die is gain. Even if we live or die, the end of the story for us is we get to be with Jesus. So death is gain. So we can let go of everything else because we know the end of the story. To live is Christ, to be like his hands and feet, or to die is gain, to be with him forever. I heard that message. I heard that verse, and it spurred me on. I made a decision that night. It's like, I, I want to make sure that I am sold out for Jesus. 
I wanted to make sure that I was setting my eyes solely on him. And so that next year was a year of growth, a growth in wisdom. I even look back and see how the Lord had been working and shaping me all the way through. This is the power of the scriptures. So, church family, we want to be about this. We want to be people who are committed to reading the Bible. How do we do that? Let me give you a few suggestions or practical things. What does it look like for us to do this? So I've got four words and a phrase. All right, you ready? Number one, daily. Read the Bible every day. You might be in a practice where you kind of read it a few times a week. That's great. Consistency of any form is really helpful. The Bible is like food. It is nourishment for us. That's why Jesus said, like, we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to feast on this every day. So let me tell you, start where you are. If you're not doing that regularly, that's okay. Five minutes. Just start there. Five minutes. Maybe right away when you wake up or whatever time might work best. Just, just commit. Like, don't try to do a half an hour or an hour sort of thing. Like, start with five minutes. But get to daily where you can open up this Bible every day. And if you miss, that's okay. Don't shame yourself. Don't get yourself like, oh, I got to try really. Just like, I missed. And that's all right. I'm going to commit now, daily, and the next day, and the next day. So wherever you are, make sure it's daily. Second thing I want to tell you is number two, plan. Plan. Pick a time. Pick a place. And pick a reading plan. I would suggest it to be a consistent kind of thing. Like every morning, I'm going to get up at this time, and I'm going to read. And maybe it's for that five minutes, or maybe you can give it more time. That's great. But like, pick up, pick up time, a specific time. Now, maybe you're the kind of person, too, that your schedule gets kind of wonky. Like, that's fine. But find a solid, consistent, like, committed sort of thing, even if it, like, shifts a little bit. Like, oh, I'm going to do it over my lunch hour, but my lunch hour might be at 11, or it might be at 1. That's fine. Just find a slot where you can give it priority. So time. And I would also say place. Maybe you've got a chair at home. Like, this is my chair. This is where I'm going to do it. Now, again, maybe you're the kind of person, you're like, variety, great. This week, it's going to be this chair. Next week, it's going to be the couch. I'll go to the basement. Like, fine, but be intentional about your time and place. And then I suggest picking a reading plan. There's a whole bunch out there. Like, you can get online and just find some. Like, pick one that sounds good to you, or you can build your own. I would just encourage you to be intentional about how you're going through the scriptures. So plan. Daily, make it daily, and plan. Number three, whole. Read the whole counsel of God. Read the whole Bible. It is easy for us to read the parts that we like. Ooh, I like the Jesus stories. Those are really good. Great, spend lots of time in the gospel. Awesome. Or the letters, like I get a lot of like, instruction. It tells me what I should do and not do. Great, that's helpful. Go read Leviticus. I know it's really hard to read, but the heart of God is in there. Read the whole council. Read the whole Bible. And you're going to find moments where you're like, I don't understand what I'm reading. I have questions or things kind of bother me. Right there is exactly where, the God, where God wants to meet you. He wants to teach you. He wants to hear your questions, and that is where you're going to learn and grow best.
So read all of it. Don't shy away from certain parts just because it doesn't sound good or you don't. Embrace it. Go after it. And then go pursue your questions. This is the kind of thing God wants us to do. So whole. Read the whole thing. And then number four, the final word is saturate. Saturate. Don't just read it. Okay, I read it. Done. Check that box. Reread it. Meditate on it. Study. Ask your questions like, hmm, I don't understand what this means. Do a little work. I'm not asking you to go spend hours of research, but like, don't just pause and say, okay, I kind of read it and I know a little bit of what it's about. Go deeper. Because again, you're going to find the heart of the Father. And your heart will become like his. You're going to grow in wisdom. It's when we saturate. And even go to the extent where you can memorize some of it. You don't have to memorize the whole thing. That's not, that's not what we're asking. But memorize some of these key verses, meaningful verses for you that help you navigate life. Do that. Hiding the word in our hearts allows that transformation to happen. So don't just keep it here. Let it get here. So saturate in it. Spend time in it. Let it work its way through you. Chew on it. So that's number four, saturate. Finally, the phrase, number five, see it as spending time with Jesus. If you remember nothing else, remember this. When we read, he's right there next to us. This is a function of our relationship with him. We're not just doing some activity to make him happy and like we're checking a box. No, what we're doing is we are spending time with our Lord. And so see it as a function of your relationship. Spend time with him in the scriptures. So I hope by now you're getting the sense of why it's important to read. It is not just a book to read to get through. It is doing a work to us. We're getting the heart of the Father, and we're growing in wisdom, the ability to live our lives like Jesus wants us to. That's what's happening. Now, if you're kind of feeling like, man, it's really hard, it's still kind of boring, again, I hope you're looking for the heart of the Father, and it's going to come alive for you. But if you've got questions, or you've even got hang-ups, some of that Old Testament stuff, like, I don't know what to make of it. I don't like what I'm seeing. Is that the way God really is? Like, if you've got those questions, bring them to him. It's not a book about him. You're meeting with him. He's right there. So pray through your questions and seek answers. And some of the things you're going to hear maybe don't, like, fully satisfy. But what God is going to do is he's going to help grow you in trust. And so I challenge you, where there is those moments, push into it. Don't run away from it. Because you're going to find life and hope. So, can we commit to this? Can we be shaped into wisdom by reading the Bible? That's what I want for us. We want to be people of the book. We want to be people marked by it. When people look at our lives, do they see the scriptures reflected? That's what I want for us, new life. And this is one of the main ways we can pursue Jesus. So wherever you are, what's that next step for you? What's that thing that you can do? That's where we want to step forward. We want to see what the Lord has for us when we read the Bible. Because when we do, 
or being shaped into wisdom. Join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the scriptures, that we get to learn about you, but we also get to meet with you every time we read. So God, I pray, wherever we are when it comes to the Bible, Lord, we would have a renewed energy, a renewed focus, a desire to go after you. So Lord, help us to build in this kind of practice. Meet us wherever we are, Lord. Help us to think through this. Help us to take that step forward. Help us to go deeper with you as we read. Thank you for the gift that the scriptures are, God. We're so grateful that we have them. And we're grateful to do life with you. You are good. And we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond and worship right now. Let's give it all to him.
want to give Jesus our all, and the scriptures can be a mechanism to get us there. Church family, I'm so glad we could be here together on a Sunday. No water, awesome. So glad we could gather. I pray that you were encouraged today. I pray that we are, as a body, going to the after Jesus. We're pursuing him. This is what we want to be about. We want to be people marked by him. And so I hope you are encouraged, you're inspired, you're spurred on to whatever the Lord has for you. But in all of it, know he is with you. He's walking alongside of you in whatever life may bring. And he wants you to walk with him, looking more and more like him. So go today knowing he's with you and go in peace. Have a great week.